0: to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We are recording on uh, Saturday, December 9th, 2023, and you're listening to this for the first time on Sunday, December 10th at 1 p.m. The rebroadcast will air on Monday, December 11th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Jasmine, and I'm back with my co-host, Reese. How's it going, Reese? It's
1: going all right. Happy it's the weekend. It's been a long one
0: yeah like the week has been long you mean
1: yeah yeah I feel like it was a long week yeah December ain't December for me like I don't feel like I'm in the holiday spirit yet like it doesn't you know I don't know it ain't kicked off I'm hoping that changes
0: yeah I, I feel you like I was I had a little piece of happiness when it snowed a little bit here the other day I was ex- excited to see it out my window but it didn't stick and just, you know, we talk about the news every day, every day, every week on this show, and it's usually pretty heavy and just, um, just the weight of world events right now. Like, I, I know everyone's keeping up with, um, what's happening with, uh, Palestinians right now, uh, it's with this Israel-Hamas war, or that's the, the name for the conflict at this point. And, you know, just seeing, like, this death toll of like over 10 it's like almost 20,000 people dead being you know killed you know and it's really I I don't know if you saw but there was the UN you know calling for a ceasefire and like the US was the only place to veto a permanent Mm -hmm. ceasefire and also a release of all hostages which is kind of getting lost in the resolution as well. It was about stopping the the bombing and the airstrikes and so on that are killing Palestinians, but also to release all of the people, all of the Israelis that are still, you know, we don't know where they are or if they're still living or anything. And yeah. you know, to see this country be the one to put a stop to that. It's like no, it's going to keep going. It's just yeah, been for no
1: reason it's not really accomplishing anything is it now
0: it's i mean it is into depending on your point of view it's it's serving someone's interest but it's really yeah. such a huge disaster and then you know here in the states we have you know all these shootings happening it's just thing after thing after thing so like i definitely feel you on that with it's hard to get in the spirit of like christmas cheer holiday buying gifts like it's um a lot of that is clipped for me as well. It's just not really feeling yeah. it right now.
1: Well, we're still going to try to do a show. We
0: will we will do a show. We there will. is no try, only do, <laughs> as Yoda <laughs> says. Um That's it. So if you were listening last week, we're going to apologize. There was some technical glitch where our local and national news stories played. But then before we went to the second song, the episode restarted from the beginning again. So you didn't hear last Sunday our world news or our good news stories. So we're going to play those today um, you know, later on in the hour, but we will have a new and different local and uh, national news story to talk about this week. Uh, so this week for local news, I'll be talking about, um, guns being allowed in some sensitive areas in New York for now, uh, pending more, um, decisions from the New York's, the Supreme Court. For national news, we'll be discussing a woman who attempted to burn down uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthplace uh, recently. And uh, for world news, it will be a repeat of what was meant to air last week about um, the Supreme Court of Russia uh, banning the LGBTQ plus movement, uh, labeling it as extreme. And for good news, uh, it will be a repeat of last week about uh, delivery workers uh, having a win for uh, minimum wage in New York City. Um, So I will start us off with the local news story. And this information comes from the Gothamist um, on December the 8th. And the title of the article is guns will be allowed in some of new york's sensitive locations for now by samantha max a federal appeals court ruled on friday that most of new york's sweeping concealed carry regulations can stay in effect while lower courts weigh in on legal challenges but there were a few key exceptions The Second Circuit Court of Appeals said the state cannot enforce three aspects of the law for now. Those include a requirement that applicants for concealed carry permits provide a list of all their social media handles. A ban on carrying firearms in private properties that that open to the public, like restaurants and stores. A ban on bringing guns into places of worship. So to reiterate, those are three things that um, formally, like based on this, um, the regulations that we have in New York State, those things were not allowed. Uh, But the new thing is that those three bullet points cannot be enforced. So people for now will be able to bring guns into places of worship, uh, into private properties that open to the public, and they will not have to provide a list of their social media handles to get a concealed carry permit. State lawmakers passed the Concealed Carry Improvement Act last year in response to a U.S. Supreme Court decision that struck down New York's prior rules limiting gun carrying in public, which had been on the books for more than 100 years. The law added requirements to the application process for concealed carry permits and also banned gun owners, even most permit holders, from bringing firearms into so-called sensitive locations including schools public transportation and times square the law sensitive location ban has already been used to arrest a handful of people across the state including new york city council member ina vernikoff who was accused of bringing a pistol to a pro-palestinian rally this fall as she counter-protested in support of israel Brooklyn prosecutors dropped those charges after they learned the gun was missing a piece when it was turned over to police, making it inoperable. Many gun owners filed lawsuits against the state's new law, arguing it went against the spirit of the ruling. A flurry of conflicting court rulings have struck down and reinstated aspects of the law in the year and a half since. Today's order is meant to mitigate confusion while the legal process plays out. Today's decision to permit the state to enforce critical provisions of the Concealed Carry Improvement Act as the court process moves forward will help keep New Yorkers safe, Attorney General Letitia James said in a statement. In a 261-page ruling, a panel of judges said they generally agree that requiring concealed carry permit applicants to disclose all of their social media accounts, including those made under a pseudonym, is unreasonable. Conditioning a concealed carry license on such a disclosure imposes a burden on the right to bear arms that is without sufficient analog or like precedent in our nation's history or tradition of firearms regulation, the judges wrote. They said the requirement would make applicants forfeit their right to pseudonymous free speech on social media, which has become an increasingly common venue for conversation. So basically um, saying that, you know, people tend to assume that they can make social media accounts and not have it be tied to their legal name. uh, And they're arguing that, you know, at this point, it's a right for people to expect that they should be able to do that. The ruling found that a portion of the law that prohibits firearms on private property unless the owners put up signs making clear that they're allowed creates a default ban that seriously burdens lawful gun owners' Second Amendment rights. That means, for now, the expectation will be that firearms are allowed unless property owners explicitly say they're not. Firearms will also be allowed in places of worship because the judges said prohibiting guns in those spaces would unfairly single them out. But, unlike other private property owners, churches, synagogues, and mosques would be able to put up signs announcing that guns are not allowed on their premises. Second Amendment supporters celebrated the ruling while also expressing disappointment that more aspects of the law weren't blocked like a requirement for permit applicants to show they have good moral character. It's encouraging that the court blocked the intrusive social media provisions, but just as intrusive are the processes needed to confirm someone is of good moral character, which the court has inexplicably chosen to uphold, Sam Paredes with the Gun Owners Foundation said in a statement. Frustratingly, much of this court's opinion reads like an insubordinate rebuke of the Supreme Court, which is a disgrace and cannot be allowed to stand. Paredes said the foundation is considering appealing to the Supreme Court. The state attorney general's office pledged to defend the state's gun laws. So, yeah, it was um, kind of a wake-up call, and to me, pretty disturbing. That, you know, we do still have issues that happen with guns in New York City, in New York State. I, I understand that, but I definitely think opening this up so that it's even easier to carry guns into places that most people would expect are free of guns. I I think it's it's terrible news. I don't like the precedent that it's setting.
1: Definitely. Whenever there's an opportunity for more guns to be in the hands of people, there literally are. Um, and I think with today's climate and mental health for so many reasons, so many people, it's just never a good thing. It's never a good thing to make firearms readily accessible, let alone to be concealed carry. I grew up in a concealed and carry state, so that shit is scary. <laughs> you know? um, definitely for New York City too, Uh just, you know, the amount of people that go there and how tight the city is it's just a lot it's a lot to think that that would even be a possibility at this point hope we be going more towards some kind of control reform and just looking at literally the daily news the shootings happening at places everywhere in America um it was one this week
0: at UNLV, UNLV right yeah Yeah, that was, um, and I I haven't, well, I don't watch traditional news. I don't have like cable and all of that, but just reading up on, he killed, the shooter killed three people because he didn't get a job there. It was a white man that was rejected from a job there and he killed, was it a Puerto Rican woman and two black women? Hmm. Or were they Asian? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the reality is, we don't need to have more access to guns and for people, period.
0: So, yeah. be careful out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it was it was two Asian um, faculty, two Asian people, and one Puerto Rican person who were killed by the UNLV shooter, uh, who was mm. angry that he was rejected from a job. And we just had a news story also in New York State. To keep it somewhat local in Albany, there was a man who fired shots up in the air outside of a synagogue, like on the first day of Hanukkah or shortly before. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I heard
2: about that story. And
0: you see that and then you're seeing, oh, yeah, places of worship. Yeah, guns. Like, what? You know, that's the last place people should feel comfortable like yeah I'm gonna bring a gun and you can't stop me you know and the idea that you have to make it explicit that you can't bring a gun I think that's just gonna someone who is like a gun fiend isn't gonna pay attention to that or they're gonna be looking for a reason to confront you about well what do you mean I can't bring my weapon you know I it's terrible I mean it's good that I guess the AG is saying that a lot of the provisions of the state's gun laws are still in place except for these three things that have been changed, but these three things are three things too many, in my opinion.
1: I agree. I agree.
0: What do you think about the social media handle thing and, like, proving good moral character before you can have a permit?
1: I think it's a good um effort you know any sort of effort is a good fucking effort like you know so definitely that's um something qualifiable I think that should be used but you know today people use social media for all types of things and people are getting fired for saying all types of things so I think the average person should expect that their social media will be considered in a good or bad way um and that should definitely be a part of the application process and You know, I mean, if it was up to me, I'd be like, could there be like a mental health? I think we talked about about this before, a mental health assessment. (laughs) I know that's vague, but I'm just saying it'd be so obvious that people who do these shootings were obviously having issues before, showing signs that they were going to hurt someone in so many cases. And it just if there is no ramifications or way for people to qualify other than an ID and a heartbeat, then that's what you're gonna get. That's what's gonna happen. So you're gonna drive people to do shit that they don't even want to because they can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. And there's so many instances, so many, where the person has left like a digital trail for years of. Yep. i hate black people or like they have like an anti-semitic manifesto or you know they have a history of abusing their spouse-in-law all of those things and yet they're still armed to the teeth yet they still have guns everywhere you know people that have expressed in writing where people can see it that you know they want to use weapons to do harm to others and it's like carte blanche for them to just have all the guns and bullets that they want and to me to me framing that as freedom is so backwards it's it's backwards because it really keeps us all be in the opposite yeah. of free because you're in fear because these people are all mm-hmm. around you Like, I know there's reasons why people have weapons. I'm not going to make a blanket statement that no one should ever have them. But in this country, like, we definitely have a problem that's, like, on steroids. And it seems like it's going to get worse in New York State soon.
1: Mm. It's an important story, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's important. We'll keep our eyes on it. Uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, switching gears a little bit, but did you see the news that Norman Lear died? No. So Norman Lear, he was a TV writer and film producer, and he helped create or develop over 100 shows. He died at the age of 101 on December 5th. And I grew up watching a lot of reruns of his shows, like with my mom, like he was known for Good Times, All in the Family, The Jeffersons, One Day at a Time, Sanford and Son. Did you watch any of those?
1: All of those, all of those. I think I did hear this news, I guess, um, I wasn't as familiar with this name as I should have been, but yeah, did hear that. Um, But yeah, all those shows. That was basically us growing up. I know, know. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's
0: what that is. yeah, it's like he really was, he really created like the blueprint for like what we think of as the sitcom. And I will also say, um, you know, these shows came out before my time, but like I said, the reruns would be on and my mom grew up with them when they were first on the air. And even for it to have been like so many decades ago, like they would really talk about some deep topics on those shows and handle them a lot better than in, in my opinion, a lot of these modern shows are doing. Like they could be very, like very funny and all of that, but also very real. So, um, definitely a loss to the medium. Like he, he definitely left a mark. Uh, so for this first musical break, this is the theme song from one of those shows. Uh, it's the one me and my mom used to watch the most, Sanford and Son. Uh, this song is the Sanford and Son theme or The Street Beater by Quincy Jones. You're listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be right back. <laughs>
1: Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate.
0: Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And now here's Reese with our national news story.
1: This story comes from an article on NBC. Um, The title is, Woman Tried to Burn Down the Martin Luther King Jr. Birth Home in Atlanta with Gasoline, Police Say. The author of the article, authors, is... um, Minnie Von Burke and Anthony Cusimano. A woman was arrested Thursday after allegedly trying to burn down the birth home of Martin Luther King Jr., Atlanta Police said. The woman, Lanisha Chartres Henderson, was 26, was stopped by two tourists from Utah after they saw her pouring gasoline on the property, authorities said. Henderson was charged with second degree arson and interfering with government property. She was taken to Grady Detention for a psychological evaluation and will be transferred to Fulton County Jail once she's discharged. The tourists told officers they were on a work trip from Utah and wanted to visit the historical landmark, which is closed to the public. They said they saw Henderson outside pouring liquid on bushes, but initially did not think anything of it, according to the incident report. The tourists asked Henderson if she was tending to the plants, but she didn't answer them. They asked her a few more questions and noticed that she was carrying a gasoline container. When they realized what was going on, they started to plead with Mrs. Henderson to stop, but she was ignoring them. According to the incident report, it also seemed as if she started to rush and pour the gasoline out faster on and around the historical house. One witness told NBC affiliate WXIA of TV of Atlanta that he stood at the bottom of the stairs outside the home and told Henderson to stop and blocked her for about a minute kept blocking her from going up the stairs. Bystanders helped detain Henderson until police arrived. The witness said that while they detained her, she allegedly tried to spark the lighter she was holding. Police Chief Darren Schieberman told WXIA that their quick action saved this jewel of the city. The Martin Luther King Jr. Center thanked the people who helped and stopped Henderson. Tonight, an unfortunate incident occurred at the birth home of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as an individual attempted to set fire to the historic property. Fortunately, the attempt was unsuccessful thanks to these grave good Samaritans and quick response of law enforcement. The FBI said the incident, um, said they was aware of the incident but didn't comment on it. So I have a little bit of another article just talks about who um, this woman is. Just a little information about, you know, what was happening before. Um, a Facebook account that appeared to belong to Henderson showed that the 26-year-old Atlanta, Georgia native lived in Tallahassee, Florida, and graduated from Eufaula High School before enlisting in the Navy. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Lanisha Santrese Henderson is a U.S. Navy veteran who was in service for four years. During her time in the Navy, Henderson reportedly earned medals for good conduct along with other actors alongside other accolades. Henderson told WSB-TV that his daughter was suffering from a mental health episode. He said they, were, they have been trying to find her for two days before she was detained for attempting to burn down a historical home. Henderson's last Facebook post on December 7 showed a series of slides, including a judgment tarot card with an image of Donald Trump perched on top of the world shortly after the incident um the martin luther king jr Center thanked everyone who stopped her so that's pretty much um the article um i don't know what to think about this it's it's uh, super alarming and i don't know what besides mental health would convince someone to do this um yeah i guess that's really all i got you know i was i guess i was expecting to hear that she was put on by some conspiracy therapist or some other shit but this is this could be a mental health episode of someone who needed help, according to her father. Um, yeah, and it's just, I'm glad that she didn't actually burn it down. But it's, it's really sad to, like, how do you get yourself to do something like this and
0: why? Can you repeat the thing that you said about Trump? That was yeah. in the last article.
1: Yeah, it was about um, her Facebook post. Okay. Henderson's last Facebook post on December 7th showed a series of slides, including a judgment tarot card with an image of Donald Trump perched on top of the world.
0: Oh, wow. So, like, it's like he is judging people. He's bringing judgment. It could be read
1: that way.
0: Or you he's going to could... be judged.
1: Probably a little bit of both.
0: Yeah yeah i'm, I'm saw- sure you
1: could look up what the judgment cards means in tarot to have a better understanding of what that might have meant right yeah
0: but yeah i'm with you i was befuddled as well because i remember you you know you see the headlines sometimes and you immediately start thinking oh this must have been some and then i saw the video did you watch the video No, I didn't watch the video. I did see the video, and it was. And when I saw the clip, I thought immediately, I was like, okay, this scene, I think this is someone who's having some kind of a break, like a breakdown, Mm -hmm. because it just didn't make sense. Like, she wasn't responding. People were talking to her, and she was like barely responding when they came around her. Like, just the whole demeanor, it was like she was barely reacting. And one of the articles I read said that she didn't have shoes on. So Mm -hmm. she was doing this with no shoes, not really responding to questions in a normal way. And also her father and her sister said she had gone missing and they had to locate her with it. So it, it went from me thinking it was one type of situation to me seeing the clip and thinking, oh... Uh, this seems like someone that's in trouble and you know not really you know not thinking clearly and for whatever reason got it in their mind to do this
1: yeah well she's you know under um psychological evaluation they said after they um booked her that, that was the next step so I hope she gets some help. I'm really glad that she did not burn this place down. These people stopped her. I hope they didn't attack her too crazy, but I can only imagine what they had to do. Um, these bystanders mm-hmm. that was watching and thank you know, thankfully tried at least tried to talk to her. Try, tried to find out what was happening and why it was happening before they did that. So
0: yeah, it was kind of we. It was like some of the people that restrained her. They happened to be like off duty NYPD. Oh, okay. Which I'm like, that's interesting. Like that they just so happen to be in the area and you see in the video like there's a cop that comes up like people in uniform come up to her and they're like, Are you alright? And she doesn't really oh, okay. say anything. Like she doesn't really respond and you see her on the ground and she's restrained like i don't i don't know i don't like to see people being restrained physically but i can see that sometimes things happen where like if you don't you know if she were to just wander off and then light the mat because that whole place would have been up and who knows how many places next to the house would have just been up in flames yeah so and apparently
1: she was close to getting it done if they didn't jump in yeah yeah
0: it's really, I don't know, but you know, the MLK Jr.'s birthplace, like I know that it's like federal property. So I saw some of the discourse about it when the first headline came out and people were kind of like, oh, like they're going to do federal time. But I think it was people who were assuming that. This is someone who, like, was ideologically motivated and, like, hates black people and, like, yeah. they were celebrating that, like, oh, this prob- this person will probably go away forever. And then as more details came out, it became more like, yikes, like, what is happened Like, I I don't know. I feel yeah. bad for her and I hope that she does, like you said, get the help that she needs, but I don't think prison is not going to help her
1: exactly definitely that's not the answer um a lot of the times it's not but um yeah it's definitely one of those things i mean the ways of the world so crazy these days and then on top of that people have mental health issues that drive them you know to places that they they need help they can't control so it's interesting story but um yeah I guess it's good that people were paying attention to the to the site and, you
0: know, tried to help her. Yeah, for sure. All right. So um, for our next musical break, this is a song that was requested. I'm taking requests from my family. Uh, This song is Love is the Message and it is by M.F. SB or mother, father, sister, brother, you're listening to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll be right back. If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org forward slash newsletter. Welcome back to Objection to the Rule on Radio Free Brooklyn. And up next, we have Reese with our world news story.
1: All right. This article is from NPR. Um, the title is Russia's Supreme Court Effectively Outlaws LGBTQ Plus Activism in a Landmarked Ruling. Russia's Supreme Court Effectively Outlawed LGBTQ Plus Activism on Thursday, the most drastic step against advocates of gay, lesbian, and transgender rights in an increasingly conservative country. Ruling in response to a lawsuit filed by the Justice Ministry, the court labeled what the suit called the LGBTQ plus movement operated in Russia as an extremist organization and banned it. The ruling is the latest step in a decade-long crackdown on LGBTQ plus rights in Russia under President Vladimir Putin, who has emphasized traditional family values during his 24 years in power. Thursday's closed-door hearing lasted four hours. No one besides justice ministry representatives were allowed in, and there is no defendant. Journalists were taken into a courtroom only for the reading of the verdict by Judge Oleg Nefdov, who wore a face mask apparently for health reasons. The case was classified, and the ministry didn't disclose any evidence, saying only that authorities had identified signs and manifestations of an extremist nature in the movement it seeks to ban, including incitement of social and religious discord. Multiple rights activists have noted the lawsuit was lodged against a movement that is not an official entity and that under its broad and vague definition, Russian authorities could crack down on any individual or group deemed to be a part of it. In practice, it could happen that Russian authorities, with this court ruling in hand, will enforce the ruling against LGBT initiatives that work in Russia, considering them a part of a civic movement, said Max Olenchev, a human rights lawyer who works with the Russian LGBT plus community contacted by the Associated Press before the ruling. The lawsuit targets activists and effectively prohibits any organized activity to defend the rights of LGBTQ plus people, Olinchev added. Multiple Russian independent media outlets and rights groups added rainbow symbols to their logos on social media in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community. This is a political order, and they are following it. Amnesty International called the ruling shameful and absurd, warning it could lead to a blanket ban on LGBTQ plus organizations, violate freedom of association, expression, and peaceful assembly, and lead to discrimination. It will affect countless people, and its repercussions are poised to be nothing short of catastrophic, said Marie Struthers, the group's director for Eastern Europe and Central Asia. The Russian Orthodox Church spokesman praised the ruling, telling the state-run RIA Novosti Novosti News Agency that it was a form of moral self-defense by society, from efforts to push the Christian idea of marriage and family from the public and legal realms. The Justice Ministry has not commented. Before the ruling, leading Russian human rights groups filled a document with the court that called the lawsuit anti-lawful, discriminatory and a violation of the Constitution and international human rights treaties that Moscow has signed. Some LGBTQ plus activists said they tried to become a party to the lawsuit, but were rebuffed by the court. We tried to find some legal logic in the absurdity, said Igor Kochetov, a human rights advocate and founder of the Russian LGBT network rights group. We tried to appeal to the Supreme Court's common sense and say, look, here I am person who's been involved in LGBTQ activism for years, who's been promoting these ideas, ideas of defending human rights, mind you, and the lawsuit concerns me, he told the AP. They don't want any trial, Kochatov added. They don't want to address this matter. This is a political order and they are not, they are following it. It is the end of the kind of justice, it is the end of any kind of justice in Russia by and at large. In 2013, the Kremlin adopted the first legislation restricting LGBTQ plus rights, known as gay propaganda law, banning any public endorsement of non-traditional sexual relations among minors. In 2020, constitutional reforms pushed through by Putin to extend his rule by two more terms also included a provision to outlaw same-sex marriage. After sending troops to Ukraine in 2022, the Kremlin ramped up a campaign against what is called the West's degrading influence and in what rights advocates saw as an attempt to legitimize the war. The same year, the authorities adopted a law banning propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations among adults also effectively outlawing any public endorsement of the LGBTQ plus people. Another law passed this year prohibited gender transitioning procedures and gender affirming care for transgender people. The legislation prohibited any medical interventions aimed at changing the sex of a person, as well as changing one's gender in official documents and public records. It also amended Russia's family code by listing gender change as a reason to annul a marriage and adding those who had changed gender to a list of people who can become foster or adoptive parents. Um, So it goes on a little bit um, further. This is, uh, this is so concerning. I'm like, not as surprised, but just the thought that this could happen anywhere today is is very frightening.
0: Yeah, it's really, I I also, you know, even if you're not surprised by something, like we say it a lot, it's still upsetting and shocking to hear because this is, just gonna lead to more violence more you know people see things like this and they think that they then have the right to do things like attack people you know openly discriminate against them kick kids out of their homes like it's nothing good comes of it at all it's just hateful and ignorant and you know I I think especially I feel especially sad for like, if you're a child or something like that, or a young person who can't just up and leave, you know, like you're just, you're stuck in whatever situation you're stuck in, you know, these types of things just drive up like rates of suicide and despair and stuff like that. So it's, um it's just another in a long line of trends of, I think, you know, reversing a lot of progress like in society as far as you know being more open and accepting of the fact that you know there have always been people of different gender expression different sexual orientations none of that is new or a result of any type of new influence that emphasis on there's only one way to be is what's new as far as like human history or human culture um so yeah it's very sad news to see you know russia going backwards in this way and i'm hoping that activists are able to push back somehow against this but for the supreme court to say that it's not looking too good at the moment
1: yeah and just just be mindful people that this could literally happen here at any moment don't think for one second because this is in russia this is not coming for us as we can see they've been coming for us all around in this country. So, you know, um, yeah, just something to be mindful of shit like this is passing. It's actually happening in this world. So be careful, safe out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we already are seeing things like, you know, a big rise in like homophobic, like hate crimes and anti-trans legislation being passed. And we talked a few weeks ago about the new speaker of the house, like in our government who is, a complete and total like religious zealot he thinks everybody is supposed to be you know his religion his lifestyle and everything else is evil and like we have people like that in our government right now so you know it's Russia it's just another and a long trend of this movement of trying to shift things backwards in time and move things further to the right and in my opinion it's it's about like there's a lot of um real problems <laughs> that exist in the world that have nothing to do with what the next person is doing in their romantic or sexual life like we have real issues with climate with health care with cost of living you know people living under horrible conditions and this is the type of thing that your politicians are spending their time and energy on you know it's I don't want to say a dis- it's a distraction because I don't want to make light of the weight of these types of things happening, but I do think, you know, it's like, oh, look, we're doing something, and then what they're doing is doing absolutely nothing to improve your quality of life or to make you safer. It's just making people feel like they have someone to look down on or to treat badly, like that's going to make them feel better about where they are at in life you know, so very, it's scary, very depressing, and, you know, I'm, I just hope that this global tide of moving to the right is gonna turn the other way soon, but I don't know, it's like dominoes falling, it's like one after another, like, every week it's another right wing, wing dingbat, that's one another election on this type of a platform, and it's just bad. I don't know what else to say.
1: You can give us some good news that might be helpful in this moment.
0: Oh, that was a really great transition, Reese. Yeah, thanks. Thank
1: <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's getting dismal, it's getting dark, so it's
0: very you real help dark. Help. Um, But yes, I do have a brief good news story. It's another local story. This is from The Gothamist. um, And it was written by Catalina Ganella. A judge on Thursday, uh, so Thursday of last week, um, November the 30th, Upheld New York City's new minimum wage for delivery workers in the latest defeat of Uber's relentless legal challenging, challenges to the rule. Under the new minimum pay law, tech companies must pay delivery workers in the city at least $17.96 per hour plus tips, with another increase to at least $19.96 an hour by 2025. Before the new minimum wage, delivery workers were making about $11.12 with tips and as little as $4.03 an hour without tips, according to a report by the city. $4 an hour without tips. Imagine that. And it's a lot of people who don't tip or who barely tip. You know who you are? Cut that out. (laughs) If you got it, pay up. The regulations were first announced by Mayor Adams in June, initially to go into effect by July 12th. But just days before it was set to go into effect, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub filed lawsuits against the city seeking a temporary restraining order from the state Supreme Court in Manhattan to stop the plan. Appeals Judge Nicholas Moyne paused the change while he deliberated. On September 28th, he ruled against the delivery giants, allowing the wage increase to go through. Uber immediately tried to appeal to the appellate division of the Supreme Court, the next highest court, again blocking the minimum wage from taking effect. On Wednesday, Judge Lynette M. Rosado denied that request, upholding the lower court's decision without explanation. It is unclear when the new minimum wage will take effect. New York City Comptroller Brad Landers said the ruling was a monumental win for the workers. As essential workers with grueling conditions, they deserve a pay standard that is not dictated by the whims of app companies or by how many food orders they can achieve in an hour, Landers said. These workers deserve secure pay that allows them to put food on their own tables while delivering food to our doors. Gustavo Ace with Los De- Deliveristas Unidos, the Delivery Worker Collective that has been fighting for better wages for years, said the group was happy with the decision but hesitant to celebrate until they see the law implemented. It's a really good day for us today, Aceh said. It's really good. It's another step. But we're not going to say we won, we got this. We want to see the money in all the delivery workers' pockets it's not it's something that we're waiting for for months now, but today is another step forward in our fight. So yeah, I was happy to see that. I mean, it's a story that we've been following for a while, uh, and there were these hiccups with you know it being blocked, but I'm glad to see that you know we're seeing some progress in the right direction, and hopefully it'll come you know they'll actually see the increase and the increases will continue
1: yeah exactly um it just goes to show that these things you got to keep at them man you can't like you know activism the one thing about it, is that even where word activism that's what i meant to say um you know it takes a lot of energy a lot of effort a lot of dedication but eventually things happen you know so um definitely it's important for us to stay firm behind the things we believe in but it's good to know that you know things like that um are shifting for people because this is a part of our everyday lives this is the way we live our lives today so you know we need to consider these things more often than not so keep pushing keep pushing
0: Yeah, like so whatever your job is whatever work you do you deserve to get enough money so that you can live off of it um so that i'll tell eleven dollars four dollars and that like what is that especially in new york city who's living off of that nobody
1: exactly you know it's
0: ridiculous and that is a grueling job like being out in all kinds of weather and you're navigating traffic and all of this like it's it's, something's got to give absolutely all right so we've done a show thank you again for listening to objection to the rule on radio free brooklyn uh please stay tuned for more uh, community-based brooklyn-based radio and for our last song, um, this is a song that it spawned the stage name for Lady Gaga. Uh, this is a song by Queen, uh, whose lead singer Freddie Mercury died uh, or a little over 32 years ago. He passed away on November 24th, 1991. And this song is Radio Gaga. It's a love letter to the power of radio. So, you know, a fitting track for us to end on. Uh, Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.